Welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's episode of Make Climate Cool Again. I'm your host, Sarah Miltenberger. If you don't know me or you're new to the podcast, I am a entrepreneur. I have a sustainability consulting business. I've worked for Tesla. I've been in the environmental world for eight or nine years now. So that's my that's my spiel. That's who I am. And sustainability is my passion. Entrepreneurship is my passion. And I think especially right now, we need inspiration. We need hope. And that's really what this podcast is designed to do. So I know that last week was like the longest week ever. I barely know what day it is. I don't know about you, but I've been trying to create routines for myself to be the most productive and also have time for self-care and fun, but I really have been terrible at following these routines. So that's not going great. But at the same time, it's hard not to put too much pressure on ourselves to constantly be working and doing and trying to entertain ourselves during this time. I think we all just need some breaks. We need some fun. And for me, I'm an extrovert, so I need people. And that's hard. I think those of us that are extroverts are being seriously challenged. But I can't help it. I love talking to people, hence the podcast. And I feel really blessed that a lot of you guys have been reaching out and sharing with people that you know and getting people involved on the podcast. I've seen the shares. I've seen the likes. I've seen the commitment. And thank you, thank you, thank you. It means so much to me that you listen and that you care and you're sharing. Some of you have given me some awesome tips for the business. Some of you want to collaborate. It's so sweet. I love it. So continue to share the podcast with your friends and family and coworkers, especially because today I have some big announcements. Um, Some of you may or may not have known that a while ago I had partnered with REI to give some in-person workshops on how to be a climate conscious consumer on Earth Day and a few other days at their locations in Connecticut. Unfortunately, REI stores are gonna be closed for three months and they don't have a virtual option at the moment. It was also sponsored by Clean Canteen, this whole thing. Uh, So I feel really sad about it. I know that it's even worse for their employees, um, but I still wanna do a giveaway and still kind of support REI any way I can. So you'll have to keep an eye out on the gram for information about the giveaway specifically during Earth Week. So keep an eye out. I also have some exciting news because despite that, I've been really leaning into my community and supporting local businesses. And I'm going to be giving two virtual workshops this month for Earth Month. Based on everything that's going on right now, it's really hard to be eco-friendly. It's hard to be green. There is a lot that's happening that makes us all feel out of control. But this workshop is designed to give you a little bit more control back, and it's about saving green. Money, the planet, all the things. Um, I've been out of the corporate world for a year now. I was living in New York City. I would not be able to run a small business and sort of take that leap if I wasn't good at saving money um, or being smart about it. I you know, wanted to share my tips on how to do that and some brands that I like, some DIY recipes that I like. Um, And I also like to put memes and fun things in my presentations so we can have a good time. So I'm really excited about those. 
The first one is on April 18th at 12.30 p.m. I partnered with Beyond Boss, a small business in Pittsburgh run by Caitlin Thomas. Uh, She runs a ton of online classes with small business owners. So if you're looking for some inspiration or some structure to your day, the classes are great. I personally have an unlimited pass to her classes and I've taken almost all of them. There's a $10 or $20 fee for most of her classes um, due to hosting costs. You know, Zoom's expensive, but I think it's going to be great, especially as someone who's been taking her classes. I'm excited to be giving one. The second one is on Earth Day, April 22nd at 7 p.m. Since my REI presentations are moved to the fall, I'm really happy Lighthouse Design Studio in Simsbury, Connecticut reached out to me and asked me to host a virtual workshop for them. There may be a cost as well. Again, I'm not sure. I just want to support these businesses where I can. I'm going to be putting sign-up links in the descriptions as well as on my Instagram, at MakeClimateCool, so you can go find more information there. Hell, I'll even put it on my website as well. So I'll, pu- I'll do all the things so that you guys have access to signing up, sharing it with people that you know. Um, so if you're into workshops and fun one-hour classes where we can kind of drink wine, have some fun, definitely go sign up. Now is the time to support small businesses. And look, like, Some of you guys are getting those stimulus checks and this is a great way to spend them. I know I'm really trying to make sure I spend my check on on small businesses um, that are just struggling right now with the the way the economy is because of COVID. So if you can't join the workshop, share it with a friend, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell your mom. Everyone is looking for entertainment of some kind. You know, they're getting, people are getting bored of Netflix but you still don't have to get up off the couch for this. You can make some new friends and share your passion with someone else who wants to learn too. Just a great opportunity for us to come together. Now, this week's guest. I've been really excited to have this guest on for a while. Her name is Kimberly Clark from Cinderella Garbage. They are a Montreal-based jewelry company that makes diamonds out of trash. And I think it's amazing. I actually received a necklace um, from my boyfriend from Cinderella Garbage and immediately was like obsessed with their packaging, their product, they the way they communicate their story to their customers. I had to reach out to them and just say, hey, look, like I love what you're doing. I'd love to just support you any way that I can and learn more about what you're doing and how you got started. So I was so happy when they wanted, they agreed to come on the podcast. And I just think what they're doing is really interesting and different in a space that you know it's artistic but not always sustainable and I really hope you enjoy learning about them as much as I did so I am here with Kimberly Clark from Cinderella's Garbage which is this company that I um, kind of happened upon because I was given a necklace from the company as a gift and just fell in love with the story and just had to reach out to them and hear about how they got started. So Kim, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and, and chat with me on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Sarah. I'm really happy to be here. So for people that maybe don't know, what, let's talk about Cinderella's Garbage. Let's talk about 
what they are um, and why they're so important. What you make, what you make as a company too. You make diamonds. Yes. So it's, we call them diamonds, but they're not actual diamonds. So we work with um, a material that we call the cinder light. It's actually um, garbage that is um, compressed and heated up at really high temperatures, which crystallizes and then creates a stone. But initially it all comes from garbage. Um, and then that stone we use to facet and polish as if it was a precious gem. So we call it our diamonds, but they're not actually diamonds, but they, act, they look like diamonds. They really, <laughs> they do. It looks like, um, you know, this material honestly looks like the material that I've seen on David Yerman bracelets, like the black, mm -hmm. the black on their bracelets. This is almost exactly the same looking. Yeah. Some people say that it looks a little bit like onyx or like a volcanic stone. Some people say black diamonds. So yeah, it's quite shiny and it's as hard as quartz. So we can really work with it as if it was a precious stone. So what, um, how did you discover this material? Did you just, how did you fall upon the fact that garbage kind of can be crystallized in this way? Um, well, it's, it's a bit of a, a coincidence, I'd say. I studied in art history and in business um, at Concordia in Montreal, and I started working in a gallery at a gallery once I graduated. And the neighbors of our gallery was a engineering business, engineering firm that uh, developed this technology to melt down and compress garbage at about 2000 degrees Celsius. So that's when I learned about their technology. And one thing led to another, I found out of the residual material that the, the transformation created, which was our stone. And then I decided that I absolutely wanted to do something, create something with that stone. I wanted to do sculptures. I had tons of ideas, things left, went left and right. But then eventually I decided that I wanted to make um, diamonds out of the material. When you decided to craft your jewelry, like what's the process for designing jewelry? I really have no idea. Well, I think I don't have a very traditional way of, 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 of making our jewelry. I think that I have ideas and then I kind of go about learning how to make it because I have no background in jewelry making. So things are sometimes a little upside down and all over the place, but I initially learned how to facet and carve the stones at the beginning of the business, so that was in 2012. Um, so I really learned like the traditional way of faceting stones. And then from there, learned different shapes, different ways of working, um, and then learned a little bit more about metals, different types of metals that we would like to use. Um, so there's no real like traditional process that I go through, it's just that it ends up working out every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so when we chatted before, you had kind of mentioned to me that this material really changed everything for you. It was your aha moment. And can you talk a little bit more about that and why these diamonds kind of opened up your eyes to sustainability? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I was working at the gallery and I learned about their material and their, their transformation process, that's when I really had that aha moment because I, I met the material. I fell in love with it. It was this just this dark, beautiful, uh, very rough stone that I absolutely wanted to create something with it, but I didn't know where to start. I didn't ha I had ideas, but I didn't really know anything uh, about, uh, about what to do with it. So that's when I decided to learn about carving stones and deciding that I wanted to create diamond because for me, having a diamond out of garbage was something very ironic 
and at the same time, the message behind it I thought was quite beautiful. And so I decided that I wanted to create kind of an alternative to diamonds and to jewelry and all of that. I thought that that, that was definitely something that was missing on the market, that I, I couldn't find something that really I was, that I'd fall in love with. I never was someone that was particularly interested in diamonds or precious stones, but the idea of having a stone that to me was very precious because of the transformation that was behind it or the story behind it. It's funny you say that. It's like um, you're kind of carrying your waist around or someone's waist. Yes. I mean, it's basic. It's being repurposed in a very unique way. But I always thought it was funny because um, back when I was a sustainability manager at a tech firm in New York City, I was coming up with all these different strategies for a, a summer challenge. I had budget to like do a cash challenge and was brainstorming all these ideas. And one thing that I really wanted to do that my sustainability team that I was running really voted against. I was like, I really feel like we should somehow find a way to carry our waste around for the day or like have it pile mm -hmm. up on our desk or like yeah. just so you get a visual of how much you're generating. Everyone hated that idea and I totally understand why, but the, um, just imagine if people carried around their waste for the day and technically you can do that with these diamonds. And I'm also wondering how much waste does it take to make it a diamond? Is it a lot? Is it a little? Like, I, I mean, it's hard to say because uh, it depends what type of garbage goes into it initially. So if we have a lot of organic material, the organic components will disintegrate during the transformation process. Um, but if we have a lot of inorganic material, well, then that's the material that will become the stone. So it really depends what you put into the garbage initially. Um, but as a general rule, the engineers that I work with, they say that it's reduced by about 75%. Wow. Yeah, so it's quite substantial. Yeah. Just, you know, who cares about chocolate diamonds? We should be all having um, waste diamonds, black diamonds. I agree. Makes way more sense. Makes way more sense. But, but I really like that idea of, of carrying your, your garbage, your waste with you. And I really hope that people, when our clients, when they, when they purchase all jewelry, that they have that, that kind of idea behind that they're, that consciousness that, you know, they, they have a stone that reminds them of their consumption and of their, their way of life and the future and uh, where, where, where we're all going. Yeah, and I think if you had to carry your waste around, you would be a lot more conscious of how much you consumed. Like, I just think it's more of a, oh, I don't want to carry this anymore, so I'm not, I don't want to be responsible for this, so I'm not going to consume this, or I'm going to find a creative way to do it, versus, it's just very in your face, which is what I like about it. Um, and then when you think about, I remember, so when I got my necklace, uh, as a gift for Valentine's Day. I, one of the first things, I, and I had no idea I was getting it. So I was really just fascinated with the packaging and I was fascinated with the, the story that came with it. it. comes with a little book to talk about who you guys are. And then you can, and then the necklace is kind of in the book because it's part of the story. And I thought that was just, there's so many elements of branding here that I really appreciated when I opened it. So I'd love to talk more about how 
you know, is it your creative energy that allowed you to think of all these different ways to tell a story around the product? And how did you come up with your branding? Like, it's just very, it's very beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> That's very kind. Um, I, yes, I do think it's my creativity that um, developed through the years our branding. Um, it, for sure, the business has been, it, as we've been in business for about eight years. So one thing, you know, we developed and we, we grew and we became more mature in our branding and everything in our storytelling. But uh, yes, I do believe it's, it's the creativity of me and um, the girls that I work with that that build the brands it's the people behind the business i believe that that make the business um, so definitely but i i also i think i'm very motivated by myself as a as a consumer what i would like to receive when i purchase something and the story that would um that i would like to to hear in other things that um that i purchase so maybe that as well as a consumer i mo i try to develop my branding to to fulfill what interests me at the same time right yeah if that makes any sense it's it's funny because i never would have thought thought of it you know like i never would have thought to find or at, even ask for jewelry that was sustainable i mean usually when you have holidays come around or birthdays as you get older you kind of run out of things to ask for because you're just like well what do i need or I don't yeah. know, jewelry, and then kind of let someone else deal with it. But I know for me, I can be tough to shop for because I, I really want my things to have a sustainable story if they can. You know, I don't like <laughs> to just consume to consume. So I think that it's really more, more and more companies are like you. We're going to have, you know, great options for people that, you know, want to move away from just you know, virgin plastics and consumption. And like, there, there's so many issues with the diamond industry. I don't even know how to get into them. I don't mm -hmm. know enough about them. Um, have you had any experience talking to other people um, that kind of work in the jewelry industry? And Well, I think there's, there, yes, I have talked about uh, quite a bit of people in the, the jewelry business that use precious stones. And there is, quite a, a movement towards using either, um, re not recycled stones, but stones that um, were initially on, on other jewelry that are repurposed or reused or redesigned in other ways for, um, for new jewelry. And there's also um, ethical stones and there's sustainable, there's a lot of that's being done right now towards having um, a jewelry market that is way more sustainable than it, want, than it once was. So that, that I think is a very positive thing that's happened in the last, I'd say, five years. So I think that's great. But what was my initial spark is that I wanted to do something that was completely different, that would really like give an alternative to people that wanted to buy jewelry without having to buy a precious stone or a diamond, to really have to, to, to think a bit out of the box, but having also a very uh, traditional look. I think our, our pieces are kind of timeless in their design, so, uh, depend, depending on which collection, but we have a classical collection that is very, that we, we wish our jewelry to be still fashionable in 20 years, for instance, or yeah. they're very like traditional cut stones. And, and to me, that's, that's something that's important. Yeah, and, and as I was just, as you were talking, I was thinking about how also, I suppose 
if you think about jewelry in terms of its lifespan, I mean, it can last forever. I mean, if, especially if something's gold or, um, you know, a really nice silver. I mean, those are really, again, t timeless pieces um, that can be passed down from generation to generation. And you do see a lot of actually like estate jewelry. I've seen yeah. like in jewelry stores, um, you're seeing that kind of like buyback and selling and I'm sure they take things apart and re refashion them. Um, but I would say, I would think that the diamonds that you're making are probably still more sustainable than that just because it's removing waste. I would like to talk a little bit about also the energy process. I mean, how I imagine if you're heating something up to 2000 degrees Celsius, that's pretty energy intensive. Are you guys offsetting that at all or? Um... Uh, yeah, so I've had like many discussions with the engineers about the technology and how green it was. And of course there's a, there's a lot of like um, thin gas that comes out of the transformation, but that gas is actually used to, um, um, sorry, to, uh, the gas is used to make the machine work. So it like, it has the combustion motor that creates energy that is then reused to, um, to make the machine function. Mm -hmm. So it's super interesting because it becomes after a certain amount of tons of garbage that is transformed, the whole transformation process becomes self-sufficient. Wow. So it's like a full cycle. So the, the signal that comes out of the machine gives the energy that the machine needs to function. And after even a certain amount of tons, that is more than its actual um, electricity necessity, well then it can um, create energy to supply housings that are in the neighborhood or around um, the, uh, the machine, the plasma machine. Oh, that's cool. I know that there's um, plants in New York City that do that, that like composting facilities where they produce methane and that methane like goes back onto the grid that would provide electricity to homes in Williamsburg. That's really nice. And I, and I've been often talked to about, you know, what, is it good to burn trash for energy? And if you look at all the different ways to get energy, waste energy is actually not a terrible thing um, considering, but that's another story for another day. Um, <laughs> I can't even, as someone, I'm not an engineer at all. And I oftentimes am like faced with challenges about materials and processes that I'm constantly asking about finding other entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurs, engineers in other areas, like whether they're material engineers or whether they're um, civil engineers. Or, and as someone who's an art history major, uh, I mean, and now you have a decent amount of business experience, eight years, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. How, how do you kind of bridge that knowledge gap? Because it sounds like there's a lot of en engineering and just material knowledge as part of this process. And even probably as you grow, you're going to want to do more things. And, and that's a lot of that is engineering. How do you kind of deal with that? I ask a lot of questions, I guess. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm just by nature a very curious person. So I think that uh, just by asking and the engineers that I work with are, um, they're, they're very helpful and they, they, they answer all my questions and they were really encouraging when they started the business and they were, they, 
they were really happy that something somebody was actually doing something with with the material because they were just transforming the garbage but not actually making something out of the material um so they, they were they were very helpful back then uh, when we started but uh yeah i mean for sure as we grow more and more challenges are gonna are gonna arise i would love to create other things than jewelry so if we start working with the material in uh, larger quantities then the material becomes a little difficult to work with it's a little mm. more unpredictable um so the, there will be challenges and there's probably going to be a couple of people that i'm going to need help from <laughs> yeah so what happens to the rest of it when they make um so you're taking some of the carbon um to make your jewelry i'm imagining this is kind of their thing are they do they just like do they just burn this garbage or compress this garbage and then other people buy it off of them or? Uh, well, they don't really have any use for it right now. So I'm the only person that actually makes the material. Um, but technology is used by other, in other countries and other places. It's maybe not exactly the same as uh, the engineers that I work with, but um, the material is available with other firms. It's just that the firm that I work with, they only, uh, they only uh, supply me for my uh, for my business. Got it. Interesting. So they just throw it out. Uh, no, whatever well, they don't take or they, they recycle it. <laughs> no, they um, they don't really make that much of the material, unfortunately, because the machine, uh, if it's just used like once in a while for a couple of tons of garbage, it's not very um, it, well. It's very expensive to run. It takes mm -hmm. a lot of electricity initially. And it takes a lot of garbage. So because they don't have any um, any deals with like the municipalities and because it's a technology that costs a lot, it's not a technology that is used a lot. So the material is not available in that much and in, uh, in large quantities, actually. Hmm. But if there was high demand, like let's say someone else, someone discovered that this material could also be used for like I don't know, some kind of part in a computer, let's say, mm -hmm. let's create something crazy. Yeah. And they, and they're like, okay, we need a lot of this part. Would that part become really expensive because they need all this trash and they need that machine to generate all of this stuff? Or is it, or is it going to be cheaper because it generates so much? Carbon? Well, I think that's when it's going to become so interesting because if, if a lot of garbage is needed and a lot of garbage is transformed, then the machine becomes self-sufficient. And not only that, but the machine will be able to um, give energy to housings in, in the area. So then as that machine becomes self-sufficient because of the amount of garbage, then you're creating a lot of stone and being able to make that computer part mm. in large quantities. So all of that is, that, that would be the ideal situation to use that machine to its full purpose. Okay, so someone listening to this podcast, you need to start a business where you're making something out of this that's not diamonds so that we don't compete with Cinderella's yeah. garbage. But, but yeah, yeah, leave me a little bit of material for my job. For my job. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. uh, okay, good to know though. But I, I do think there are a lot of people that are listening that are like, especially now. I mean, now that we're living in kind of the crazy times that we are and we're seeing a lot of unemployment. Um, I am hoping that this people kind of can take this opportunity and build something of their own if they want to, you know, I think mm -hmm. so many people are like, it's too scary. It's too scary. 
But if, especially now during this time, even if you don't have a lot of work and you have a job, it's a great opportunity now to start a business. And even though the economy is low, but it's, it's a good time to just like get all of your duck, ducks in a row and figure out what you want to do and all that administrative stuff that I did for my business, like after I started it. Um, but maybe, you know, as someone who's an entrepreneur and you've been doing this for eight years, and it sounds like you have, pe- I don't know how many people work underneath you. Um, oh, we're a small team. We're three. Three people. Okay. That's still great to even be able to employ people is amazing. How did you know when you found this material that you had to start your own business? You know, there are sometimes opportunities where you can find something and bring an idea into a company or did you always have an entrepreneurial personality or you just knew that you had to do this? That's a good question. Um, I don't think I always knew that I would be an entrepreneur, but I did study art history and business. So I always had that interest for business and I always thought that I always thought that it was important to have the basic knowledge in accounting, marketing and finance and all of that. So that was, that was always something that was very important to me. Um, but looking back, I think that it just makes sense that I'm an entrepreneur. I think that I'm always, I'm someone that always finds a solution to a problem. And so I think it's maybe my, my creative side, I think that often my solutions are quite creative and I like thinking out of the box. I like thinking, I mean, I think my business is a little out of the box in itself. So I think that that is where I often tend to go towards being innovative. So I think it makes sense for my personality that I'm an entrepreneur, but yeah, I think when I, when I met the material, that's when I knew that I had to, it was my aha moment, like you said earlier. Yeah. And what's really cool is like you have the creative strength and you have the business tools because you had that from school. Like when I, I don't think I'm that creative and that's something that I struggle with and I have tried to like even hire people to help me creatively um, because it, it's hard to have both of those brains or, and have both those abilities. So I'm really lucky, but I know that it it can't have been perfect the last eight years, or maybe even now it's harder than most of the time. As someone who has been doing this and for those people that are interested in starting a business, what has been sort of one of your biggest lessons that you've learned or one of your biggest struggles that you can share with people? Um, Well, I always had trouble delegating. So I, <laughs> I always like to learn and to do things myself. So that is definitely something that has served me in the past, but is also something that in certain situations I should turn to people with the right experience to, to help me. So mm-hmm. I think that um, what I would suggest or what I would uh, tell people that want to start a business is that don't be scared to delegate and don't be scared to Uh, turn towards the people that can really help you and um, make things way easier because sometimes I've found that um, by trying to do everything myself, I made myself a little more, I I made my life a little bit more complicated. Yeah. How did you know when to hire people? Um, At some point it just came way too much, too much work and I couldn't do all the, um, I couldn't produce the jewelry myself. So, uh, and that's not necessarily, the part that interests me the most in my business is the creating process and the, um, the business part, but actually making the pieces was never, um, never 
my, my, my strong suit, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when time came that I needed help creating pieces, that's when I, I hired people. How long does it take to make a piece of jewelry? One of your pieces, like, like this necklace, how long does it take to carve this out? Mm, I'd say about an hour to carve, to carve one heart. So we initially, what we have to do is that we have to cut the pieces in smaller pieces. So we use, um, uh, the word I'm I'm looking for a word that I only have in French right now. Um, you can in, say it in French. <laughs> in C. Um, so a, a saw. There you go. A saw. A saw. So we, we use a saw to cut the, the larger stones that we have in smaller pieces. And then we start um, faceting the, the heart uh, by hand. So the hearts are all done by hand, which um, is a little different than the classical pieces that we have, that we use traditional like um, fastening techniques. This one is a little bit more creative because each person that makes a heart makes it a little bit different. So if hmm. I'm making hearts, sometimes I make hearts that are a little bit more narrow or if um, one of the girls I work with, she makes them a little like shorter or wider or different. So they're really all, um, depending on who makes them, uh, quite different. So that's always something that I really enjoyed about our pieces because it makes them all kind of unique in their own way. Um, but I Literally made our- with love. Lit, quite literally made with love. <laughs> yeah, we always try to. <laughs> um, but every heart after it's, um, it's faceted, it's then polished. So then we have to go through all of the polishing, uh, the polishing um, steps to make, uh, to finish up the stone. How do you um, polish them? Is it like with an oil? Is it like a rock tumbler? Like what's the... Uh, no, it's with like um, polishing um, sheets that are made with um, diamond dust. Oh, so you're polishing them with, with actual diamonds or diamond yeah. dust. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. So I know we're, you know, as we mentioned, we're living in kind of crazy times. And I think it would be remiss if I completely glazed over the fact that there are people in serious situations um, and just, it's a stressful time for everybody, especially for small businesses. And if I can use my platform for any kind of good, it would be to support. I mean, that is the whole point of this podcast is like support small businesses really. And just educate people about what single people are doing to change the planet in a positive way. And, you know, I'd love to give you an opportunity if you want to, to sort of talk about maybe how your businesses, your business has experienced some of the, the fallback of the coronavirus and how people can support you moving forward. Uh, well, all together, we're we're holding the ship tight, so it's going it's going okay. Um, all of our suppliers are closed, so making our pieces and our production is very very slow right now. So that's a little it's quite challenging. Um, so our studio is closed because we want to be respectful of uh, distancing and we want to respect everything that people are going through. So we decided to close the studio um, and one of uh, my girls that works with me, she, um, she has a studio, she has some, some machinery and things that she can do at home. So she's been holding the ship quite tight, uh, producing as much as she, could, she can at home, uh, which is great. 
And uh, other than that, well, sales have dropped for sure. I think that people are right now at home and experiencing some stressful times. So I think that jewelry shopping is not a priority on the list, which I totally understand. And so we're trying to just do the best with the situation and keep on working as much as we can. Of course, I'm doing everything possible to, to keep my employees and to keep the business running. So it's a stressful time for sure. Um, but hopefully it'll be over soon and we'll be able to go back to uh, more normal life. Yeah. Well, I know I definitely want to get a gift card for my mom because then at least I think gift cards, you know, I was thinking about this. Gift cards are really helpful for small businesses that cannot, they don't have the supply chain. Like you said, your studio's closed. You have, you know, someone who is doing her best in her home making these pieces. But at least like a gift card could be enough to kind of just weather, weather the situation until it's time. You, then when you spend it, then you'll actually have your supply chain back up and running probably. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's what we've been saying to our clients. Um, a couple of clients reached out uh, asking how they could help or if there was something that can be done. And that's that's exactly what we tell them. The best thing that can be done right now is if you want to purchase a gift card for later or for a friend or for a family member, that's really the best way of doing it. And even I've done it myself for um, these small businesses where I live, um, like a hairdresser, for instance, like all the hairdressing salons are closed. But I love going to the hairdresser. I go once every every year, twice a year. So I was supposed to go this month, and instead of I can't go, so I purchased a gift certificate instead. Yeah, so I think it's a good way of doing it of supporting yeah. the businesses. Yeah, it's um, and Mother's Day is coming, guys. Easter, you know, even though Easter might be canceled, um, this is a good, always a good time to get a gift card if you can afford it, but. But no stress. I've definitely been, you know, thinking a lot about how to how how can I continue to support other businesses? And it's just, I'd love to know your thoughts. This is kind of unrelated, but I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Is whenever I go on social media and it, um, or even in my email, a lot of people and small businesses are trying to figure out how to run business as usual. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it comes across as, well, I'm going to just give you the different things you can buy, or here's my shopping wish list that I can't buy right now, but this is, it's just more and more stuff to buy. And I think that, it, and it's just stuff, stuff for stuff, not because it's thoughtful, not because it's meaningful, not because it, um, it has a story necessarily. And I think that especially during this time, more and more people are going to really start thinking about where they're buying things and how are companies treating their employees? And is it a small business that they can continue to support or are they going to continue to go to Amazon for every little thing where Amazon workers are now on strike because they don't get paid enough. They're not protected enough um, against the virus. And I think so I think right now it's like businesses are just in like a weird position of how do we stay afloat, but how do we not pressure people to buy things when a lot of people can't afford things right now, but yeah. also still maintain our content of, uh, you know, it's like a, such a weird time. 
But I think more and more consumers moving forward are going to be more thoughtful about what they buy. And so I hope that they turn to brands like Cinderella's Garbage and like um, some of the other companies that I've interviewed that rely on regular people like you and me and they aren't and people and consumers aren't just going to go to target for what they need. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, well, I think you, you, you said a really important point about uh, not pressurizing um, the clients into purchasing just more stuff. And that's something that I'm, that I'm very sensitive to. I don't like aggressive marketing. And for me, it's really, really important, especially right now where I feel like people are going through a lot of hard times. I, the last thing I want to do is to tell people to buy jewelry, which I find jewelry is usually at an expense something that you'll buy that's not a necessity. It's something that'll make you feel good. It's something that'll, that you'll, you'll cherish, that you'll hold on hopefully for a really long time. But I think that right now is not, like I was saying earlier, when you're in your pajamas at home and you're rethinking what, what's your future, I don't think you really wanna be shopping for jewelry right now. So it's really important for me to be sensitive about, about that and, and to be sensitive of what people are, are going through. So for us, our marketing has been like really, um, low-key trying to be supportive just showing nice images of what we do but without pressurizing people into into buying anything and so we did like um, suggest that people that wanted to support us continue supporting us or even supporting us and other local businesses this is the best way to do it is really to, to buy gift certificates um, so that was kind of our idea of marketing in the last couple of weeks and, and I think it's really important and, and it, it does affect me in when I receive like a lot of um, emails of businesses that I follow that are pressurizing me into into purchasing things that I really don't need right now, and so I think that's really going to affect how I continue following those businesses that I, I don't find are maybe sensitive to what's really going on. Yeah, and I think that too, it's a, it's now really is a time for more education and communication with consumers rather than buying or encouraging the buy but then it's all i mean and now but then it even gets harder is because everyone's creating content right now i know i'm seeing the fallback from it um there's so much to consume now that it's kind of just how do you get in front of people in an authentic way that isn't overwhelming because they're seeing so many other things and there's only only so many channels that someone can watch at a time you know they're you have your Instagram, they've got TikTok, they got their email, and that's it. They're probably going to watch Netflix. Like, there's, there's not a lot of variation in where people are going for information. Mm -hmm. um, so it makes it increasingly harder for businesses to, that are trying to educate and not sponsoring ads to kind of get their name out there. Um, so I think that as consumers, it's important for us to like engage with the brands that we know and love because we're going to get more and more information from them. So I think turning on notifications for brands you really are passionate about or companies you're passionate about, seeing how you can support them, even if it's likes, like, I don't think people realize how subscribing to podcasts, liking Instagrams, sharing Instagrams from their favorite businesses that costs nothing and that is so valuable for brands like that's everything to a company 
Mm-hmm. Especially in a time right now, it's just like that extra little push of, of energy that it gives me to see that people are following us and supporting and just being yeah. It's, it's, it's so valuable. Oh my more, God. Yeah. Even more than actually purchasing. If you're liking us and you're following us and you're supporting us in, in different ways um, than actually purchasing jewelry, then I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm, I had to. It's just, it just difference right so it makes oh my god it makes a huge difference and I think not a lot of people realize that like I don't know I didn't realize likes had such a currency like there are people that withhold their likes and like oh no I'm not gonna like that on purpose and I think that's crazy likes are literally free they cost you nothing Instagram is free just give them out give them out they are so valuable to the people you give them to. You've got to ask directly. Please share. Turn on notifications. So guys, go do it. Go find your favorite brands. Turn your push notifications on. You're going to be looking at your phone anyway. So it'll only be helpful for them for you to share. And that is free for everyone to do. That's how we can support small businesses during this time. You've said that it was maybe since you started Cinderella's Garbage, it was really when you became as more of a sustainability person than before. And I, and I really always like to ask um, my guests, what makes you feel like a sustainability hypocrite? Because the system does not allow us to be perfect. And mm-hmm. when you have a company rooted in the environment, we are looked to as like, there's so much pressure to be perfect like a perfect recycler and a perfect consumer and it's just not possible and so there are undoubtedly things that we feel bad about owning Mm -hmm. or buying so it was just sort of curious what you what makes you feel like that like a sustainability hypocrite sometimes um well i often feel that maybe i'm not um careful enough with my consumption of water for instance like showers and things like that like Maybe I take too long in a shower or um, when I wash my hair or things like that, I don't really turn off the water. Like maybe that's a little bit of my comfort zone is like really taking like a warm shower and like enjoying it. So I think that maybe on that front, I'm not, I'm definitely not perfect. Um, I'd say also like I've tried numerous times to use like shampoo bars instead of um, shampoo bottles. Um, I've had trouble with shampoo bars. I've never really found the shampoo bar that I really, really enjoyed. Um, so now I fill up like bottles and things like that, but I really like to get into like more like, um, uh, like, like, I don't know how to say it in English when uh, you, like you use no, you, you make no garbage at all. Like zero waste. Zero waste, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I would really like to use more zero waste products like shampoo bars and things like that. Uh, but I haven't really found my way of entering that uh, that area yet. I haven't found my products that I like and things like that. So maybe um, sometimes I should like give in a little bit, give in a little bit of my comfort in trade, trade <laughs> off, be more sustainable um, on that front. Um, but other than that, I have like um, like. 
things that I, I always enjoy and I think I always will enjoy. For instance, like incandescent lights, I just love them, but they're so terrible for the environment. So mm. like things like that, that, you know, I, I maybe I don't, uh, I'm not careful enough for things like that. I have a couple of lamps at home that I use uh, bulbs that are maybe not the most uh, efficient. So things, things like yeah. that. Um, it's funny you say personal care products because I find those to be, so I, I have a shampoo bar. I like it pretty well, but it's also hard to find the right product. You know, I've tried like lots of different deodorants. Um, it's hard to find a zero waste deodorant. It's like almost impossible. Uh, I don't think there is one out there right now. Maybe there is. Um, well, there's refillable ones, um, like homemade refillables and mm -hmm. stuff like that I found, but I don't find them as efficient as other ones. So then it's, it's always a, a bit of a, a, a hassle to, to find the products that I really, really enjoy, which I'm yeah. constantly working on finding those products. I mean, personal care products are at least relatively inexpensive. Like they're not a fortune it's just annoying to have to keep rebuying them if you don't like something but actually i was thinking about how personal care will probably come out on top not on top but in a really good place after the coronavirus like that market i don't think is gonna get hit that hard just because people are home they can try new products what i'm gonna be interested in seeing is I feel like when people are really cooped up, a lot of people have been moving to nature to just get outside and just feel like they're still socially distancing or even being on their own, but they're still going somewhere and they're, they're really tuning into nature and what's around them. And I don't know if you've heard, but in, can, in the United States, Tr um, President Trump kind of secretly told EPA that we're not enforcing any environmental laws anymore, or he's trying it, it, it. I don't think it's totally passed yet, but basically saying companies can emit as much as they want, pollute as much as they want. There's going to be no enforcement. And it's just interesting how I'm wondering just like how this is all going to play out when people finally get out of being in quarantine, are they going to be, okay, I've had all this time in nature. I appreciate nature. I'm going to be more thoughtful buyer because I can't afford everything because times are tough and they're going to turn to be more efficient or are people just going to go crazy because they're finally out of being, you know, in their home jail cell and they're just going to spend all their money and live their life. I feel like it could be both. Mm -hmm. but it's just I hope that it moves towards the sustainability oh, side yeah I hope so too that people will be more conscious about about their living after this but it'll be interesting to see for sure we've had such momentum in the sustainability movement in the last two three years I don't know if you've seen the shift yes absolutely the buying shift has definitely changed in the last two three years because when I was studying this in you know 2013, 2012, people did not care about sustainability at all. And that mm -hmm. was like when you were first getting started and you've kind of created a really nice niche at a really good time. 
So I just like hope that we can continue to have some kind of momentum if people are getting outside and they're appreciating nature, they're going to want to protect that once well, they realize what's happening. I think so. I think it's such a good time to rethink, to like find like a new purpose or to find, to find, to think about things in the way we've been living in the last couple of years. I think this is a really good time to regroup and I hope that it will be very positive. Yeah. Well, hopefully I'm crossing my fingers and I'm just going to have to wait it out like everyone else. Um, Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and chatting with me. And I hope that everyone goes and your, your Instagram is Cinderella garbage, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Go follow, follow or like, or share something. Uh, on their page, support small businesses in any way that you can. Kimberly, thank you so much. And I can't wait to kind of see what happens. And I know I'm going to be getting my mom something for Mother's Day from you guys. And maybe I'll even, we'll do a giveaway or something uh, in the future. Thank you for having us. It was really a pleasure talking to you.